0: Let's talk a little bit about what's happening right now. Um, Many of you guys know market is changing a little bit. So what does that actually mean? We've got some questions already coming in. People asking about, you know, how do you, you know, figure out home prices in markets where things are changing. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, Inventory levels here locally, picking up still um, here in Orange County today, 2481 homes on the market. Uh, It's the highest level we've seen uh, since hell, I don't know, probably about this time last year, um, in fact, and here in Huntington Beach, 150 homes on the market. So we actually have a couple of charts we can throw up here on the screen, which I'll do here in just a minute as you're talking, Josh. But inventory is picking up. Buyer demand is still there. Um, we're still having people make offers on properties, still having people getting to get into multiple offer situations and lose out because there are multiple people still looking to, to buy property. So it hasn't gone away, um, especially here in California, but real estate's local. So depending on where you are, things might be changing a little bit. But Josh, what's happening with interest rates? What's happening with the 10-year? We saw the, the the equity market stocks today got slaughtered. Um, biggest drop since what, 2019, I read, or, or back to June 2020 levels. So we're back to levels... You know right when the pandemic kind of started uh with regards to equities you know whether that's a buy point or not it's hard to say uh but let's uh let's hear what's happening with rates uh,
1: a whole lot of nothing really if we look at the at mortgage-backed securities let's say from may 4th to today so that's two weeks um we've gone from 101.05 to like a 30 basis point difference. It's not even an eighth of a percent in interest, um, over the last two weeks. So a lot of volatility movement up, down, um, you know, but really even that the, the range of that volatility is at most a quarter of a percent, probably an eighth of a percent in interest rate, probably one of the more interesting things here that I am looking for a reversal on at some point, and we have not yet hit it. Um, I, I won't share the chart, but it's one of my favorite ones. Jeb gets tired of me looking at it. Um, but the spread between 10 years and mortgage rates, and we... Uh, it, it's measured every Thursday because that's when the Freddie Mac Primary Mortgage Market Survey comes out. There's three or four different decent indexes that will tell you what average interest rates are across the country. But um, we, I have a chart set up in Fred to show us the, the difference between the two. And We're at 2.31. That's of the highest the spread has been in a long, long time other than right post-COVID. That tells you that investors are wary of mortgage-backed securities relative to uh, to Treasuries. So Treasuries uh, performed pretty darn well today. Treasuries down uh, nine basis points uh, from 2981 at the open to 2.88%. That's a big move. That should have been an eighth of a percent in interest rates. We got about a half of that movement. So more info than you want in reality, nothing's happened, trading sideways. And in the bigger picture, that's probably a positive. If we can get a six, eight week time frame where we trade up and down in a 25 basis point and a 0.25% interest rate range, that would be a positive. It would tell us that the market's kind of got comfortable with the current range. Um, and that can set the stage for a decrease or it can set the stage for another leg up. A lot of it is gonna depend on what the Fed does. And, you know, we saw two weeks ago, was it two or three weeks ago, Fed stepped in and hiked rates half percent. Yeah. Um, our our friend uh, Powell spoke yesterday and wasn't quite as positive about next month's 50 basis point move. I, I believe the, the phrasing was something along the lines of, uh, for now, our plan is still to hit another 50 basis points next month, so we need them to do that. The markets need to know um, that the Fed is serious about uh, curtailing inflation. You've heard Jeb and I talk. I, it doesn't exactly work that way. They don't have a lever that they can just press on and, and stop inflation. A lot of the things um demand side driven, um, with all the stimulus, supply side driven, with war and shutdowns. And that stuff's not going to go away super quickly. And we're not going to see interest rates improve until markets are convinced we've seen the peak of inflation. Um, And and again, the one of the the best explanation that I've been told for why we're seeing the big spread between mortgages and treasuries is the way um, mortgage rates are hedged. Uh, as rates go up and at some point that should reverse and we should see some some normalization and we also still have some of the fear that the fed is going to sell more mortgage-backed securities than they've indicated so they came out at the meeting two weeks ago and said I forget the number already, Jeb, what was it? 35 billion a week they're gonna be selling, which is a lot, but it's less than what the market was expecting. Um, And their plan is to ramp that up and really reduce the balance sheet. I don't think they're going to get there. I don't think they're going to be able to raise rates as much as they want. I don't think they're going to be able to sell as as much of their bond holdings as they think, but we need them to kind of follow through on that. And at some point it's going to reverse. We're not there. So if you are in the market and you are looking, we are still to the same point of if the rate is acceptable to you, I was going to say, if you like it, lock it, but no one likes today's rates. If it's acceptable to you, you qualify and you're comfortable with the payment, lock it and take that stress out of the equation.
0: No, good stuff. So earlier I mentioned in here talking about a chart. And so I want to throw up a chart here. So I'm going to hide this and throw this up. So this is from Stephen Thomas's. He's a local... um, quote-unquote economist uh, here in Orange County has a report called Reports on Housing. This is a graph taken from that report. Now, I know a lot of you aren't watching from Orange County, but what I want you to note here that's important is if you look at that chart, this is the first time. So listings, active listings this year are actually higher this time of year than they were last year, which is the first time that's happened in the last, I don't know how many years, right? So we've got more listings on the market today than we did this time last year. Now, in July and August, we had more homes on the market then than we have right now. But what's important is if you look at that chart, say about August, what happens in August on all of those? The numbers start pulling back, right? Because you start getting into that fall winter market, less people putting their homes on the market. This is cyclical. It happens every year. So to me, what's happening right now is i think is is normal it's actually a good thing um because we want more homes on the market it's going to slow housing a little bit um and a lot of it's d- due to affordability price increases just everything going on right people trying to sell panic sell get out whatever the reason is you've got homes coming on the market the question is what happens after a couple of months of this these homes the people that feel like maybe they missed the opportunity they're rushing to the market because i feel like that's there's some of that right now so maybe people that were thinking i'm gonna wait till summer kind of front loading it saying i'm getting ahead of this i'm going now i think because you have people with super low interest rates locked in don't want to go anywhere can't go anywhere can't afford the next price up don't want to go rent some dump you know for more money than they're currently paying on their mortgage a lot of those people will stay put so i'd like to think again this is merely a guess that some point here in the next three, four months, that inventory is probably going to peak. It's going to continue to rise for a while, but it's going to peak. And then you're going to see some leveling off and maybe even some curtailing back down as we head into that market. So as a buyer, there's a really good opportunity. Again, assuming you're comfortable with the payment, this is for anybody asking that question, should I buy now or should I wait? This is, I'm going to address it now and you can go back and watch it later if, if you didn't hear it because um, I'm going to throw you back to this point in the video that, you know, if you're considering buying, you're going to buy a house this year, you're comfortable with the payment. Again, you have that longer term time horizon. I think you're going to see the most opportunity for listings available options here in the next three or four months. After that, I think inventory probably stabilizes maybe a little bit comes down into the fall and you're going to have less options now i don't know what rates do at that time i don't know what buyer demand is at that time uh but i just think the most property you're probably going to see this year on the market is probably going to be in the next couple of months josh what are your thoughts on on that premise or do you think it continues to increase
1: no i think you're probably right here's what i like to look at this chart is Three of those lines are very similar in one important way, and the other one was the really, really weird one. Um, If you notice, the top two lines and the bottom line increase in the spring. Last year, demand was so high that supply kept decreasing through the spring. So this is not um, some sort of uh, anomaly or weird thing or to be unexpected. If you look, those lines in terms of percentage growth of uh, of available inventory are, are pretty similar. So the fall is what will absolutely be telling. If instead of the last, the, the, you see the, the other three lines all tailed off in the fall, if we see a level line or even worse, an increasing line, it tells you that we're seeing supply demand get way more in balance. Because the thing to remember, that purple line that looks like the good old days of, of lots of inventory, what's what's the peak? I, I can't see the number on that, Jeb, on your screen. What's the, the peak it's number? It's like
0: 7,500, almost 8,000 homes. And that was in 2019. So that's that, 2018 that's or 19?
1: That's 19, sorry, 19. And, and that's a low number. Right. That's a low number. So look at the distance we have to go. And granted that we always want to preface this: this is Orange County. Um, so there's numbers like this for every county around the country. Um, and even if we went city by city here in in Orange County, and you I'm going to another such, one up too here, Josh, just you to... start getting such small sample sizes that there's a lot of noise. So the county level, especially in states that aren't as populous uh, as California, can be a better look. But It's going to tell us nothing that we're seeing here is abnormal. We're seeing a normalization. Um, You know, I've talked to people around the country. Jeb has talked to a number of people. What we are starting to see is good in terms of sellers attitudes. If we go back, not a year ago, six months ago, Jeb, could you tell a seller that they weren't going to sell for 50 or a hundred thousand dollars more than the last sale? They were all 100% confident and anything that a buyer like it, it was absurd for a buyer to not want to give them a rent back, to not waive an appraisal or put an mm-hmm. appraisal gap in there, to not ask for uh, a credit for closing costs. They were going to pick the highest offer from all of the offers. And now have they've most sellers have heard a home in their neighborhood that came on the market and they've seen it sitting there for three or four weeks, which, again, in a normal market, three or four weeks is nothing. It can take in a normal market a normal home couple two three months to find the right buyer every home isn't right for every buyer so when we say a normal market two three months supply that means it takes two or three months for a home to sell um we're we're seeing normalization and that's good there should be some give and take versus one side dictating uh to the the other side how how every transaction is going to go
0: no, absolutely. Uh, I agreed. I mean, in the last chart I'll throw up here is marketing times, right? We talk about this. But what this does, again, take Orange County out of it. Just, I mean, you need to know the, the market data in your market. But see, the, the, the first line is is a hot seller's market. And, and that's somewhere, what, I think it's 60 days on there. Is that what it says? So 60 days. Is is when Jeb? When you say first line, you mean that top dash line? This this line right here. So this the dotted line. line. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the bottom dotted line. That's at 60 days. So this is marketing time. How many days on the market? So here in Orange County, we've recently ticked up. I think we're somewhere around 30 days on average for for a a home on the market. You got to double that time frame to get to where it's no longer a hot sellers market. And then it goes to a slight seller's market between 60 and 90 days. Anything above 90 days is a, uh, what are they calling that? A balanced. balanced market. And then you've got to get above 100 and shoot, I can't read that number on my screen here. 120, 130 days before it becomes a buyer's market. So just just know, right, your market, it's it's changing. Things are getting better for buyers. You know, I'm actually going to post a video here soon talking about FHA and FHA being a, a potential good option for, for home buyers out there in this environment for the reasons that we're seeing at the moment. So just know if you're buying a house, you're buying for the right reasons. It's that time of your life. You're not doing it to, to make a quick profit. You know, those are the things that you got to think about in a market that's appreciated. And these are things we weren't talking about two years ago because- It was a different environment then. We've seen big increases in price. We've seen, you know, the interest rates go bananas in two directions um, from two years ago, right? We saw them go super low. Now we've seen them go super high relative to where they were. Um, And these are things that as a buyer, you got to be cautious about. It's nothing to, you know, keep you awake at night. Uh, But, you know, if you're buying for the right reasons, there's no reason that you shouldn't be considering it. Josh.
1: I, no. You had a chart
0: that you want to throw up. Did you want to throw up that one chart and then we can get to some questions here?
1: You are going to ask something here I'm not prepared for. You putting me on the spot. Where do not have chart? to do it? You don't where's have my to chart? follow through. I, so just I a like reminder, anybody
0: watching the show right now, if you have a question, if you've already put your question in, you don't have to do this. If you're putting a question in going forward, put question before it. Just because again, we get a lot of comments. There's a lot of people talking to each other, which is awesome. A lot of people answering each other's questions. Again, awesome. But It helps us see that actually you do have a question when you put it out there in front and um, allows us to, again, find it quickly, be able to move on, and uh, and hopefully provide you guys some value. And so while Josh is looking for that, I'm going to remind you, podcast, The Educated Homebuyer, it's on every platform out there. We post an episode Tuesday, and then we recap this entire thing on Friday. So we take this live stream for two hours put the audio, strip the audio from it and make it a podcast. So if you wanted to listen to it outside of this, you can do it, put it on two speed, listen to us like chipmunks in an hour. It's awesome. Um, I I highly recommend it. So Josh has got a chart here,
1: which I, I find interesting. He sent it to me prior to this, but Josh, why don't, why don't you tell us what we're looking at? So this goes back to 2000 is the left side of the chart here and brings us current. So you can see the trend upward over time. If we were to draw a line from here from the bottom to the top, um, that would be your normal nice linear trend if markets weren't cyclical. But you see that we ran up to 2007, down to about 2012, this nice straight line up and then a jump here, uh, July of 2020 to March of 2022. So a little less than two years. You saw a big run up there of about, what is that? $82,000? Oh yeah, let me get Um,
0: rid of this thing on the bottom. You can't see the chart.
1: Hold gotcha. Up. So, go. yeah, we were just starting. And this is Zillow data. Zillow's it, it's good data. We can pull data from multiple different sources. I think this is fairly accurate. But if you're looking, hey, where did this come from? This is, uh, I want to see if it's median. Um, typical value for homes in the 35th to 65th percentile. So it's not a median price. It's the average of homes in the middle third of, of home prices. So it's a way of looking at it. But you can see we went from 217 to 164. And what I want to show you, this is a nice straight line. And this is kind of what we expect and if you look down here at the bottom this just tells you a 12 month percentage change so we had a really hot period up at 11.9 percent in october of 2005 by march of 2005 in a 12-month period we lost 10 percent but uh this anomaly here in december of, of 2013 of an 8.5 percent increase but what this shows you in january of 2020 we were like a 3.6 percent. so these were about uh we talk about a 75 year history of four and a half percent annual price increases well if you look here that's kind of what we were at from 2015 through 2020 and then we just went cuckoo here for uh for two years up 20 percent we've never seen that before so um it tells you a couple of things that homes were probably a little bit underpriced prior to that. It tells you they were overstimulated with uh, with cheap money. Yep. Um, and we had a demographic wave of people coming into the market. Um, I, without going too deep into it, I was looking at some numbers from a really smart guy um, that that I follow that he had a couple different charts. And uh, he was saying we have the same number, same proportion of units available to the number of uh, units of housing stock in the United States relative to the number of households as we did in 2007. So he says that tells you that we don't have a a supply problem and home prices are going to correct. Well, prior to about 2005, 2006, the average tenure in a home was about six, maybe seven years. Now most people are staying in their homes 11 plus years and the trend is is going up. So when you have people selling half as often, those homes are not coming for sale. We expected, you know, I remember you know, I'd been in the market for five years back in 2000, 2001, 2002. People were saying, hey, the baby boomers are going to be aging in another 10, 12, 15 years. The baby boomers are going to age out of the market. They're all going to sell their houses. They're going to move to Florida and buy condos and expected all these things. And they haven't. Most people have stayed close to home. They like their homes. They've some of them retrofitted their homes so they can age in place. But we're not seeing that. We've talked on the show before about people inheriting homes from family members who pass on. I inherited my dad's condo with my sister. Did we sell it? Did that become an available unit? No, for multiple reasons, we decided that we're going to keep it. And I see that commonly. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of clients whose parents are aging, passing away, grandparents, and many of them choose to keep the homes in the family. So, long way of saying, um, I, what I don't, I, we talk every week, I have no expectation that we're gonna to continue to see double digit home price growth. So the question becomes, do we see a drop in home prices? We've talked about why I don't believe so. Jeb uh, is of a similar mind. We can have a decrease in appreciation down to one, two, three, five 5%. Um, or we could have relatively flat flat prices where homes just kind of stay in a range for an, an extended period of time. I think if we go forward 10 years in time and we run the numbers that we will still see Four, four and a half percent appreciation over the last 85 years, and that means that we're going to have below trend inflation in home prices for the next 10 years to keep it there. So I don't think you need to worry about, you know, continued rapid appreciation. But uh, that we can we can beat you to death with the details of why. Also, don't see um, in terms of supply demand equation any route for for home prices to to come down significantly from where they're at right now.
0: No, good stuff. So hopefully you guys see, provide, or hear, uh, rather, a little value in that. So if you did it all, hit the thumbs up. Um, it is that little thumb right under Josh and I's face. Just if if when you push it, just feel like you're punching Josh in the face. Like get the feel, take a deep breath, push the button, and feel like you just punched Josh. It, it'll feel good. And and if you do, the, the thumbs up will go up. Or you could use my face. In fact. Uh, you know, I'm probably more punchable than Josh and that's okay. I'm okay. Um, let's see here. So let's get into some questions, guys. Let's get into some questions. That's why you're here. You don't want to hear Josh and I talk the whole time. Maybe you do. If you do, you can hear it on the podcast on Friday. Uh, Tim Erickson says still a lot of competition here in Minnesota made an offer 30 K over list for 230. Eight other offers and lost crazy right what i see when i when i look at that is that again i don't know minnesota as a whole but when i start seeing uh purchase prices below say the median home price for the united states to me that's still an attractive number there's still more qualified buyers in those price points maybe not necessarily in minnesota but just as a whole right you got more people that can afford those price points then you can the higher price points. So I think the 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 areas that have homes that are below that median, that three ninety, four hundred thousand, whatever the median home prices is at the moment, I think those markets probably continue to see some steam. um maybe not what we saw before, but those 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 entry level homes in many ways continue to continue to move. But I wanted to point it out because Minnesota' is an area I'm not familiar with, and yet, you know, still seeing rapid, rapid, uh, growth in that, in that market. Um, jazzy peach has a good question here says she put question before it. She followed the instructions.
1: That's amazing. That's why she was the first question. That's why
0: I picked it. Um, let's see, I'm in South Florida. How do I figure out the real value of a home when the prices here are so inflated looking to purchase my first home? So here's the thing. Are they're inflated by your, Um, perspective or they're inflated because they're on the market and they're not selling. um, And therefore you're trying to to figure out a price that you want to offer because there's a difference just because you think, and again, I'm not putting this on you. I'm just throwing that out there just because you think the price is higher than what you think it's worth. Doesn't necessarily mean it's inflated. If you've got buyers at that price point, you can say it's inflated or not. The fact is it it will sell. Um, But looking at the value of a home i would say look more at where homes have sold in that market and this is what i'm telling sellers too is you know a, 6 months ago 8 months ago let's just say a year ago when we looked at the value of a home you know talking to a seller what we thought it was worth we would say okay it's today is may right may 18th we would say okay we just got this property that closed yesterday for, let's just use a number, for a million bucks, hypothetically, right? But we we know that it went under contract because the MLS shows us when it went under contract back in March. So it went under March for a million bucks back in March. Well, we know the market in this area is appreciating about 3 4% a month. So we got to factor April into that and maybe even part of May because the market was moving so fast at that time. So we know that million dollar house today, it's worth about 5% more because of what the market did. This is what we were doing last year for those of you joining in the conversation right now. So now we think it's worth, let's say a million 50,000, put it out at a million 50,000. And in some cases it would sell for significantly more, but that's how we were kind of doing the pricing. We were trying to figure out what the market was doing with regards to appreciation to figure out where we should price it today. I would say you need to look, and again, real estate's local, so know your market, but. Today, look at where homes have sold a month ago, you know, maybe two months ago, price it closer to that, make offers, maybe depending on where you are, if the property's sitting closer to that, because there are sellers out there still trying to push their prices, right? I've got one at the moment that that's, that's, I don't know that it's overpriced, but it's priced a little bit higher than I would have liked to see it to begin with, and it's it hasn't even been on the market a week yet so let's let's calm down there but it's i if it was priced where i thought it was it probably would have had an offer already so to get around to answering your question you need an agent that understands the market and you've need you can't go in with a mindset that that you know more than your agent, and if you do, then you need to find an agent that's smarter than you and understands the the market around you. And at the end of the day, make an offer whatever you feel comfortable, and see how that it responds. I mean, there's nothing keeping you from making an offer lower than the asking price or where you feel like the value is, and seeing how the seller responds. I have people, you know, in in every market say, hey, listen, you know, my client wants to make an offer, but they think it's worth less. Okay, make an offer. Let's see it. Let's let me see it on paper. I will talk to the seller. And we'll see how they respond. That's that's the best I can give you. Josh, anything you want to add on that one?
1: At risk of sounding like a broken record, it it goes back to truly having professional representation and someone. So Jeb and I are here in Orange County. He just showed some very good Orange County numbers. Hopefully Orange County, California, you've got Orange County in New York and Florida as well. But uh, the professional you're working with should know the numbers in the market exactly like that and have them handy, not have to go research them. They should know as part of their job weekly, daily, they're digging in and looking at those numbers and being able advise you on that Um, again it kind of amazes me how often people are a little cavalier about their selection of a real estate and a mortgage professional it really makes all the difference in the world and we're not all created equal um, and the vast majority of people in both industries are not going to help you through the process. So really um, that, that answer is best answered by a true professional in, in your marketplace. Um, the, the answer probably is, y- yeah, you you can figure it out with the help of someone and looking to purchase your first home, home prices are absolutely inflated. We just showed the, the chart 20 something percent um, over the last two years uh, across the country. So you're gonna pay more than what you would have pre-pandemic but it can still make sense. You just need advisors to, to walk you through it. Um, Jeb, we had a a real similar question here. Um, and I think you, you bumped one of them out of the way, but I did because
0: it was asking about buying. Now. I think I addressed that at the beginning. I think, you you know, you
1: did, but what, but what I wanted to show was the follow up. She bumped another uh, question in here and it says buy and flip in two to three years. We talked about this this is absolutely not the market to think in terms of that. So, um, you know, we talk about having a five to seven year time horizon. I think anyone through that time horizon, you, you put a down payment, you're going to pay principal down. You should get some level of appreciation, uh, over the next five to seven years. But if you're thinking in two to three years, let's say you put five to 5% down and the market goes sideways and doesn't go up in three years. It's not flipping it. It's, it's looking at maybe digging into your pocket to pay the fees to, to sell it. Well, you know, let's be, uh, so you will find, I mean,
0: there are smart people out there that believe, that you'll still see appreciation over the next couple of years 2 3 4% over the next 2 3 years taking you to 2025 the problem with that is that's really hard for me to come out here on on live tv if you will youtube and say that i i mean i don't necessarily think it can't happen but at the same time i find it hard to believe that you could see another 12 Thirteen percent on top of what we've already seen. Without some sort of stabilization, some sort of sideways movement. Um, so, but then you, on the other side, you have some smart people saying that no prices are going to decline. So, whatever your uh, you know your bias is, you can find it. Um, and and that's almost a, a, a downside to 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 what we have at the moment is everybody having a platform to speak. You can easily find somebody that's going to say exactly what you want to say. But as a buyer, get your sources, right? Do your own reading, talk to people on both sides and make, you know, the decision that you feel like is best in your gut. Maybe it's not the right time to buy for you because you have angst about it. It's emotional to you. You, I mean, if buying a house is going to make you crazy where you can't sleep at night, you're worried about the value every day, then you shouldn't be a homeowner. I mean, that's the reality. Uh, but if you can buy comfortably and not concern yourself with the value of that home and, and make the payment every single month without having to, to worry, then that's the way you should think of, 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 of real estate. Real estate to me is like your 401k. It's something you have, it's there, and you're going to have it in, again, it's a little bit different because people trade up and sell and whatever, but it is something that you shouldn't necessarily think about, especially if you're 35 years old, 40 years old. If you're 80 years old, and you're talking about buying a house or whatever, then you've got different concerns, just like you do with your 401k. But me, I'm 42. I don't care today what the value of my 401k looks like. Obviously, I want it to go up, but if it goes down, I'm not over here losing sleep over it because I'm not going to do anything with it.
1: So anyway. Josh, I, I would just Josh. go back, Jeb, Jeb. I'm I'm in that camp. I do think in the next two three years we're going to see appreciation. Is it one percent? Is it three percent? Is it five percent? We're going to see some level of appreciation. If I'm if I'm betting, if we're going to publish it online, if we're going to say it on YouTube, that's what I would say. But I would not count on it. I would I would fall in the camp of plan for the best. See what you think is the most likely outcome. But two to three isn't years it? Plan for the worst hope for the best, hope for the best and prepare for the worst. There we go. So All right, we, Josh. There we go. Um, so that's, that I'm just saying 2 to 3 years that's pretty optimistic of saying hey, I'm going to buy this house. Um, you know, if you have a short time horizon, renting can and, and probably is the better decision. There you go. Um uh, Bethany had
0: a question that related to what we talked about so hopefully that answered your question Bethany. Um don't want to dive into it any further. Mr. Mr. Abs um says uh I'm going with abs, man. It just sounded bad. I
1: like it. It sounds better. Yeah. Uh,
0: Mr. Lewis, does your find my way home company have a lender suggestion connections on the East coast, specifically Virginia? We, so,
1: we, we've got a couple of excellent lenders in Virginia that, that can, can help you. And we'll definitely. Yeah. Sure and so I'll throw it. a, a,
0: uh link, a URL up here on the screen in just a moment that you can go to and get connected with, uh, with one of the, the lenders there in Virginia. Josh has. Good old Tammy, probably. Um, let's see, Josh, any any predictions on a more balanced housing market? Jessica asked the question, but Jessica didn't put question in front of it. Jessica, you're in timeout.
1: It's a, trick, right. it's, it's a trick question, right? This it, it varies. It varies by, by area. Um, but w- going back to your chart, I think that chart of Orange County tells us that's not abnormal for most of the country and we are quite a ways uh, away from it. You know, um, it, it sounds like a cop out to say, hey, ask me in six or 12 months. Um, but if you ask me today, which you are asking us today, well, uh, I think we're a couple of years away from from well, seeing something it, it, that I do approach a balanced market. I think it's what is your question
0: really asking? If you say, when do you predict predict a more balanced market tomorrow? It's going to be more balanced, more, than more, it was more
1: balanced than today
0: than it was today. And now it's more, I mean, and, yeah. and granted I'm being a smart ass, but it's more balanced today than it was three months ago, six months ago. And that's going to continue to be the case for, I don't know, a while. So I think the longer you wait, and this doesn't, this isn't an infinity thing. This doesn't mean years. This means I think if you can wait, as I mentioned earlier, I think you're going to see Again, I'm. I know there are people that don't believe this to be true. Um, and 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 the gentleman that we that the newsletter that I showed earlier, I believe, is one of those. He thinks that inventory, if I remember correctly, in one of his newsletters, is going to continue to increase throughout the year. I think you see the majority of your inventory come on the market here in the next couple of months. Um, so to me, I would say by midsummer, that is the more balanced you're going to see the market. Maybe this year, just because I think after that supply starts dwindling some just because of the time of year, but a lot of that has to do with what happens to rates. What does the fed do? Where, you know, where does all of this go? There's a lot of ifs out there at the moment. And we already know based on some predictions I've done in the past with regards to rates, my predictions aren't always right. Um, so you gotta just go with, with what you feel comfortable with. And, um, as long as you're not putting yourself in a, in a bad position, you're probably good
1: jeb in light of your accurate reading of the question i'm revising my answer um more balanced you're 100 correct it's going to continue to get more balanced i think we're at least a couple of years away from what that definition of a balanced market which was at 90 days uh market time for for homes i think it was um, 120 was oh no between 90 and 120 you're right was balanced yep so i think we're a couple of years away from that but i think we'll just continue trending towards it so um as a buyer does that mean wait so you have more more uh, negotiating power not if prices continue to trend up even 1 2% a year is more than than where you're at right now good stuff uh, mr abb says is having both origination
0: discount points on one loan program offer from a lender common Or should there be one or the other? The 30-year fix had only points, but ARM had both. So maybe, Josh, when you answer this question, maybe talk about what an origination fee is quickly, what a discount point is quickly, and then answer that question,
1: you know, so they... Yeah, a, a loan origination fee is a dinosaur in the mortgage business. It used to be um, when loans were held in, you know, by the bank, they wanted to make money off of the loan in addition to the interest, so they would charge an origination fee. Somewhere in the last 20 years, they're very uncommon that you would pay a loan origination fee. A discount point, a true bona fide discount point by the letter of the law is a point that you are paying to buy the interest rate down. So it means that you should have an interest rate um, that has just the origination fee. And if you want a lower interest rate, you're actually paying that to the lender to buy the rate down. So the difference between origination and origination fee should be profit. Discount point is the cost of the interest rate. You're probably talking to a broker, uh, a broker saying, Hey, I want to charge this. And the lender that they're going to place the loan with is saying that's the charge for that rate. The reason why you're seeing it on ARM, lenders with an adjustable rate don't count on those being on their books nearly as long so they don't want to pay the upfront premiums for them so for the lender to get their money they're more likely to have to pay an origination fee and they're wanting to show you this spectacular rate do not pay discount points for an adjustable rate mortgage. It's, it's silly. You're you're buying down a rate that's not going to stay down at that level. So do fill out Jeb's form. We'll get you connected. We've got three really good loan officers that service Virginia that specialize in VA loans. We'll make sure we get you uh, with one of them and they can walk you through all this. How did you get a VA loan out of that? Uh, the previous question that Mr. Abs asked.
0: Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You remember these things. I was, I was already, mo- I had already moved on, Mr. Abs. I was on to biceps. I'd already worked my abs. I was on to biceps. Uh, let's see here. So, David Yang, uh, not a question, but a comment, just posted on Zillow: three bedroom, two bath, single family home, one level in Portland Metro, one hour ago, and have been barred with phone calls and emails. Just shows you there are markets out there that are still moving. Here's what I will say. I'll add this. So I don't do a lot of rental properties, uh, primarily for clients if they own a property and they reach out to me saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm looking to lease it. Or if they buy it with the intent to lease it, I'll do a lease. I've done, I don't know, three or four leases this year. The most recent one I put up yesterday here in Huntington Beach. And um, it was $200 more than it was last year when we rented it. So it went from twenty six dollars to $2,800. I, I I don't know because I haven't counted, but I wouldn't be I would be surprised if there's been 50 inquiries in the last less than 24 hours since it was posted of, of people that want to rent that property and pay three grand a month, uh, nearly three grand a month, not three grand, but nearly three grand a month for that property that just shows you the demand out there for rentals is absolutely insane. So if you're considering selling, make sure you're taking that into account. Because there's there's a lot of well-qualified people that are applying for this thing. I mean, it's one of those where, hey, listen, they all have good credit. Not all. A lot have good credit. A lot make a lot of money. A lot are willing to pay the entire year up front. I mean, it's crazy some of the stuff that people are proposing in order to get these. Pay more per month. So just keep that in mind. Um, That takes me to this question saying, Shanae, saying, am I late to sell my house? And I would say, no, no, you're not late. Um, you know, but what I would say is pay attention to what your market's doing. If you've got five houses in your neighborhood that are on the market and they're sitting, eh, you know, I wouldn't say you're late, but you, you need to be pricing your, your strategy needs to be maybe a little bit different. If there's no houses in the area that you're looking, then maybe it's a good opportunity to take advantage of the market, but just know it's, it's more important now to get back to the fundamentals of 2019, 18 with regards to how you sell a house, how you price it, how it gets marketed, the agent that you hire, the commissions that you pay, all of that. It's a different deal now because you do have competition. Demand is a little bit different. You've got to be able to do something different unless you have the unicorn that everybody wants to, to be able to stand out. So just it's important to know that. But no, I don't think you've missed that opportunity. Josh, Here's a question. Sold my house after two years, made $110,000. Do you think interest rates will decline? Oh, look at this, guys. I'm going to hide the phone number here. Can you read that? I'm caught call- oh, up. I didn't hide the phone number. <laughs> I'm calling about the rental that I just mentioned. My phone will not stop ringing people. Um, Declining that. Sorry, declining that. Sorry, if you're if you're watching and you're calling, that's why. Um, what do you think REITs are in two years, Josh?
1: I would be shocked if they are not lower than than where they are today. Inflation is going to moderate at some point. We're not going to be at 8.4% two years forward. Um, the Fed will have, have liquidated some of their balance sheet and will have slowed that. We'll likely, if not see an outright recession, very low growth. Um, so the Fed will have achieved their aims of, of moderating inflation. Even if inflation were to go to three and a half, four percent, you're going to see lower interest rates. You're going to see lower spreads between the 10 year treasury and uh, and what we see in mortgages. So, you know, the guess of where it is in two years, I do not know Um, it, it. Probably is not going back to the two handles that we saw, you know, as recently as December of last year. But if you tell me we're at four, four and a quarter, most people that are in the market that are buying now would be pretty ecstatic about that and would be lining up to refinance from a five, five and a quarter, five and a half, into a four and a four, four and a quarter interest rate. So uh, I don't think that the loans back in the threes are out of the question, but I would expect low to mid fours would be best guess. But that also, um, you know, we say in the interim there's definitely inflationary pressures and we could see rates continue higher in the, in the short term.
0: There you go. That's going to take me to this question, Josh. Uh, how much does the yield curve play into the housing market? And maybe just talk about the yield curve, what it is um, for those of you you know that might not know exactly what
1: we're talking about here. If we plot a chart of all treasury securities that they sell from one month out to 30 years, the longer the duration should yield more or pay a higher rate of interest because you are tying up your money for a longer period of time and there is more risk to that money. When the economy slows, we often see longer term yields, um, 7 years, 10 years, 30 years, Flatten or decrease and rates at the short end of the curve, you know, three months, six months, 12 months um, go higher. So it's a it's a sign that the markets are expecting the economy to slow and has been a fairly solid predictor of recessions going forward. So how does it play into the housing market? Um, Really, it can be a predictor of recession. Recession hasn't been tightly correlated to uh, to the housing market. Um, the only time we've seen the two come into play together would be when the housing market caused the recession uh, in 2007 or so. So I don't think they play a huge role in it. If we look now, um, if we were to get a recession and rates were to come down, it's it's a, a plausible explanation that you could have for home prices continuing to go up. People are buying right now at five, five and a half percent. What if a year from now rates are four and a half, four and a quarter? Prices can go up. The payments can be the same as they are today. So um, if anything, uh, an inverted yield curve, uh, a flat yield curve would probably be supportive of lower interest rates and housing doing a little better going forward. But we just have to watch and see how it plays out. All
0: right, good stuff there. Let's see. Um, Rob, Rob says, "Went into escrow on a house in Fort Wayne. How did my house hunt go?" So, um, still looking. Um, you know, I honestly haven't really been paying too close attention to it once the IRS destroyed me um, about a month and a half ago. Uh, but a lot of the, the houses that are coming up have been two-story houses. I'm looking for a single-level house. Um, and I want something 15, 16, 1700 square feet. So uh, a little bit more picky in, in my selection, um, more, you know, it's coming to the market, but again, it's, it's all kind of going, going fast. And I can't believe how many neighborhoods in Fort Wayne don't allow rentals. Like they, the CCNRs don't allow them, um, which makes it even more difficult to find rental property. So to be honest, I haven't been that aggressive and, um, yeah just had other things going on but it is is definitely something i'm still considering but congrats send me send me the property email i'd love to see it see what you bought um josh martha is asking a question my question my concern with martha in this question is martha was also the person asking whether <laughs> or not you could buy a house and flip it in 2 to 3 years so not picking on you martha just saying you definitely don't want to be buying from borrowing from your 401k and you know, um, a two or three year time horizon trying to, to sell a property for more. But Josh, thoughts on borrowing from a 401k? We get this one a lot. Probably should do a video on it uh, to, to talk about it in more
1: well, detail. Let's focus on what she's actually saying. She certainly could mean borrowing uh, cash from a 401k. Yes. She's saying cashing it out. Um, I'm in the camp that cashing out your 401k is always a terrible idea because you're gonna pay a 10% penalty uh, right off the top. So now you only get 90% of the money. Then at the end of the year, if they don't do the tax withholding uh, when they distribute it to you, you're gonna have a big tax bill added on top of your income. Let's say if you're someone that makes $65,000 $65,000 a year and you're used to paying uh, a certain amount of federal and state income taxes on $65,000 income, but you took 50000 out of your 401k, you're not only going to pay taxes on it, you're going to pay as though you made $115,000 that year. So you're going to get a big and unpleasant tax bill. So for all that money that you... I just you got know, one pati- of those. ...patiently saved... Um, and invested and accumulated over the years you're going to get very little bang for the buck um, you can borrow up to fifty thousand dollars from your 401k and pay it back to yourself over time my recommendation is if you can do that do that not necessarily take the fifty thousand dollars take as little as you can as a loan out of your 401k to get into a home and then pay it back on a, a reasonable timeline someone will give you 15 plus years to pay it back pay it back in five or ten years and account for in your total monthly payment there you go um we've got a lot of good questions
0: tonight but one of the better ones I've seen Josh is what is the best steakhouse in California California is a very broad uh, I mean that that that's assuming we've been everywhere uh but let's let's just say locally uh best steakhouse what, what do you think
1: I'm not going locally I'm going California just oh. as the question asked all and right let's hear California an amazing steakhouse in nipomo california called jockos and if you ever find yourself anywhere near san Luis obispo on the lovely central coast of california where most people should be fortunate enough to live out their remaining days because it's beautiful go to jockos they um it's a It's a steakhouse, but uh, Santa Maria style barbecue. They cook over red oak outdoors and they have, they call them a Spencer. The rest of us know it as a ribeye, but it's a big fat ribeye. They cook uh, over red oak with your traditional uh, garlic and pepper seasoning and it's magical. Well there you go. I'm not sure I could even top that, so I'm just not even going to answer the question. Uh
0: yeah, that that was that sounds enticing. In fact, let's we should shut this down and just go now. We
1: drive, we'll probably be there before they close. I've I've thought of driving up there. The problem is you literally it, it looks like um a little hole in the wall that's going to fall upside down and if you go into the bar, there's a bunch of like um old retired people that are full-time bar drinkers like they have um black velvet uh as their house Ooh, whiskey so yum. black velvet is not not necessarily the good stuff so that tells you the type of folks not that hang out there so this is this is not a mastro's this is not uh you, you know your mortons or your high-end stuff but it's a wonderful steak lovely atmosphere and they are always packed so if you, go, you go i mean i was go, gonna go, say chilies
0: and you just destroyed it with that yeah, recommendation well, so yeah. hey no um good stuff gotta love a good steak uh back to the important stuff here So. So, I'm trying to get some that we can get through quickly just to, uh, to, to kind of get us through some questions. Uh, I had to go on title to help a relative refinance. The loan officer said I had to wait six months to get off the title and purchase my own home. Is this accurate?
1: Bad advice. Um, You need 12 months of proof of payments for the other person. So they have to have made 12 consecutive on-time payments and give you the canceled checks showing that they have done that for you to be able to, to exclude it from your debts. If you qualify with that debt, you can buy 2 days later, but it sounds like you need to exclude the debt. It's it's not after 6 months. Um, right. If they can if they can refinance after 6 months and get you off a of title, fantastic. But if you're looking to exclude that debt to qualify, it's going to take 12 months. And something
0: to keep in mind too, do not get off title unless you get off the mortgage. Right? So I you might be talking about the same thing there, but don't just Axe yourself from title and still be on the mortgage of the property uh, just going forward because then you lose your rights to the property and you're still responsible for for that mortgage if something were to go wrong.
1: And Jeb, I don't know if you have, but I've had a couple clients in the last 27 years of doing this, um, make that mistake and end up really regretting it. One um, was going through, it wasn't necessarily a divorce, it was a breakup of some sort, and they thought they could just deed off title and fix the problem. Well, and I don't remember whether it was the ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend, but payments were not being made on time, and as a no longer owner of the home they really had no recourse to to do anything so jeb's advice is is probably some of the best and most important advice ever do not get off of title and don't ever go on title i had one here recently um the the clients asked for this so we did it um we had a borrower who had all of the qualifying income not go on title to the property um again he's fully on the hook for the loan and has no ownership rights in the property. People, my
0: email will not stop with this rental property. It won't, it won't stop. If you're looking for a rental, you got more competition than anything in the world at the moment. Uh, Ricky, Ricky says, do you think some people are considering capitalizing on the high prices, selling now, assuming a recession hits later, which then the feds will reduce the rates so that they can buy at possibly a cheaper price and rate? I think, yeah, some people are definitely thinking that mindset, hoping that mindset. No question. Um, Maybe it's a possibility. I definitely think there. if recession happens, there's an opportunity for lower rates, like Josh mentioned. Um, The question is, where are home prices at that time? I mean, this reminds me of 2019. It was a different market, but a lot of people were thinking the same things. I'm selling, prices are high, I'm going to get out. And I'm going to be able to buy something, not necessarily worried about the rate so much, lowering rates, but be able to buy something less expensive. And then, you know, 45% later, here we are. So just know it's not always, uh, you know, the the right move trying to um, pick the bottom or the top in the market. Very difficult, even for the, the best people out there. Josh, why do... Okay. So here we go for VA loans. Why do they vary so differently from conventional after the fed raises or drops the rates? So just why, why do rates do do they, is that true for one? And secondly, why do VA rates differ from those of conventional rates? And you should lump love FH. Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't know who you're looking at. They, they shouldn't. Um, and most importantly, the fed does not control mortgage rates in any way, shape or form. Um, generally the market reacts ahead of and in in anticipation of fed movements so we've seen that what the fed two meetings ago raised a quarter last meeting raised a half percent but since january we've been watching mortgage rates go up because the market's new inflation was getting out of control, Fed was going to raise. There's not really any direct relationship there. Um, What we generally see over time is that a series of Fed hikes like we're in the middle of right now um, will lead to lower rates in the future because it generally slows the economy, slows inflation, um, and and will lower interest rates uh, over the long haul. So I'm not sure where you're watching it or where you're seeing any relationship to to Fed hikes and to actual interest rates. We've seen rates go up across the board. I ran for. Um the numbers for a a VA group that I I host a live for every week. And we ran the numbers just the other day. They're almost identical to every other type of loan. We were at 2.97% the last trading day of, of 2021. And we're at 5.25. Now that's overly high rates are actually better than that. But when you look at the posted averages on the different indexes, direct lenders charge a lot of money on VA loans. But when you look, um, at the numbers, uh, the the actual scope of the, the movement is, is accurate. So for the most part, every type of loan, FHA, VA, conventional is up about two and a quarter percent uh, from the end of December the only thing that has been spared a little bit of that is is jumbo loans have remained a little bit more competitive but they're still up you know 2%. So you shouldn't see much difference between the different types of loan programs and remember that fed hikes do not directly impact in uh, interest rates so on the mortgage side. They definitely do have an impact but not a direct impact and certainly not one to one at the time that they make the hikes.
0: All right, so uh, Mr. Abs uh, is back again. Um, he's asking a question about the link here at the bottom um, and, and basically saying didn't know if that link was tied to Mr. Lewis. So that link, what that link is, is I have a network of experts that I that I communicate with, that I talk to on a regular basis, that I go to seminars with, uh, mastermind with several times a year. In fact, I see a lot of these people three, four times a year, depending on where the events are located and what have you. So I know a lot of people in different states because of that. And I've been doing this a long time. And so these relationships are people that I've had the opportunity to work with and what have you. Those are realtors, right? The the side where Josh is on, Josh does the same thing. He's part of some mastermind groups, some, some, uh, some very expensive uh, groups where they mastermind and talk and, and all of this stuff. And so the lender referrals in there come from Josh, the, the real estate referrals come from me, but it's all through the same link. So that's how you get in touch. It's, it's all the same thing. Uh, but just know these are people that are vetted. We're not referring you to somebody. We have no idea who they are. That's super, super important that, you know, because you could go look up any of this stuff online and find some, I was going to say slap, but I, Decided not to, and um, you get the idea, and get a really bad experience. That the idea here is to provide you with value and and somebody that's going to take great care of you. So, and and just that, so you know for, for, for
1: Vir- yeah for Virginia, we have three vetted experts. All three very good friends of mine. Um, I, I'm doing a live with one of them next week. Um, two of them, you know, one was just in my office last week, and then we'll be seeing the others in in July. So all three of them are awesome. Uh, we would flip a coin and figure out which one it goes to they're all three very good loan officers and will take great care of you awesome um jason Kincaid said thanks for the
0: free plug did i plug something Did i was he the caller online i'm not sure so jason how <laughs> did i how did i plug you let's uh let's know what i did to uh or maybe he he's the, the, the
1: plug ceo plug. of celsius and you were drinking your your energy maybe. drink again trying to get so i
0: posted this last week and somebody basically commented and said energy drinks are bad for you and you should not be promoting them online <laughs> And I said, dude, I drink like one a week, two a week. Like, let's calm down for one. And secondly, let's calm down for two.
1: Let's let's continue the plug. If you forget rule number
0: one, see rule number two. And that says
1: continue the plug for Celsius in your effort to get free Celsius. What's magical about it? Isn't it supposed to be healthier than other? uh, Yeah, I think it's no sugar,
0: no preservatives. I don't know. It's a smaller can. It just, I I don't know. It's just a healthier form of meth. Sure i don't know i like caffeine i don't drink anything but water and that so it's all
1: good as long as we're plugging stuff our friend dan cooper <laughs> pipe pipes in and he has the suggestion of steakhouse 55 at the disneyland hotel i've never been maybe we should go jeb we take the ladies
0: is, is that uh that's not uh the, the one where we need the 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 what's the place there where we got to have the the membership the blue,
1: the blue something or the other no no, no the membership by you what's what is that isn't that Club Thirty Three? Oh yeah, Steakhouse Club Thirty Three. Is that did Didn't they change something now? I don't know. I, I don't. In know. today's society, can
0: you actually have a club that no people, nobody can go to? Yeah, I don't know. Those might be gone. Everybody needs to be invited. Doesn't matter. You should be. Everyone should be allowed. That's. I don't believe that. By the way, I was being facetious. Uh, all right. So let's see here. CTS two and V. Um, we're going to say that something to Nevada.
1: Um, what's, what's your guess? CTS to, to envy to envy. Oh, to envy. I, CTS. I have no idea. Maybe it's one of those Cadillacs. And so it's a Cadillac to envy, maybe it's their custom license plate. And they just went with it with their YouTube handle. I like, I like this. Yeah, we
0: could, we could start deciphering license plates. I started a new construction in Texas, 600,000. I think I could pay it off in 15 years. I qualify for a VA loan or I could sell my current home and rental, sell my current home and rental and pay for it for cash. Recommendation. So, Josh, somebody has the option to use a VA loan, keep their current home and their rental um, to pay for it. What What are your thoughts on
1: on this scenario? It sounds like if you have six hundred thousand in equity between your current home and rental, those would generate a good chunk of cash flow. Obviously, the payment on a six hundred thousand dollar VA mortgage, assuming it's zero down or minimal down. is going to have a fairly healthy payment, especially at today's interest rates. But you're going to have the rents there to offset it. And you have, uh, assuming those things are paid for, so there's $600,000 of equity and you're buying a $600,000 home, you have $1.2 million of real estate under your control. If we flash forward 15 years when you think you could pay this off and they went up 4%, let's say 3%. That's about a 60% increase in value on that 1.2, you're looking at another six or $700,000. If you sell the two houses and only have the one for 600 and have the same amount of appreciation over the next 15 years, you're only going to have half as much equity. So for me personally, I like keeping it. We're not talking about um, highly leveraged, having three properties all at 80% loan to value. One's going to be highly leveraged, but offset by a good chunk of equity in the other two. Um, but again, we've talked about this before. Jeb it comes down to what's your risk tolerance? What's your tolerance for being a property manager or hiring and paying a property manager? What does the cash flow look on those properties? Are they in good shape? Are they in good rental markets? If your current house is. Really nice and and well improved. You may not get as nice of a rent yield uh, versus something that's cheaper and and bread and butter. So not super easy to answer in this format. But my default is always going to be to tell you to keep keep the real estate, buy and hold, and and build some equity over time.
0: Yeah, I think it just again it comes down to can you afford it? Are you okay being a landlord? You know. All of those things, right? That's all got to play a part in in that decision. Um, but long term, I think if you hold that real estate, you'll probably be a you know a happy man. I don't know anybody that's owned real estate for for a long period of time and said, God, I wish I would have never done that. It's you know, it's more of like I should have bought that. I should have bought this. You know, it's buy as much as you can and hold on to it for as long as you can, and and uh, you know, set you up for for big things. So, let's see here. Um, I want to take a minute and ask a favor. If you're still watching, um, there's 286 of you. Maybe you're just, you know, you got us on in the background, not paying attention. But if you're watching, find value, hit the thumbs up, share it with a friend. Maybe somebody that's looking to get into the home, buying, selling process, want to know what's going on. Um you don't like us, you know, hit the thumbs down. Doesn't matter. It's all good. Uh, they but don't, they don't have the
1: thumbs down anymore. Do no, it? you they still it have away. it. They just don't do it. Oh, you one.
0: just can't see your count. And I yeah, got you can't it. count it. Um, but I just I have to assume it's like a, you know, a 50 to one ratio because we're that good. Uh, but anyhow, no, do that. And if you're not already listening to us on the Educated Homebuyer podcast, um, I don't really have a fancy little ticker at the bottom to to promote that. But the thumbs up does help more people see it and uh, encourages us to continue doing this because this is a big time commitment. If you guys weren't aware, Jeff, uh,
1: yep, we have we have another important nomination. Ooh, here. Let's see here
0: code blue CPR
1: says the gambling cowboy in old town Temecula California it's funny I'm I'm, I'm,
0: I'm salivating over here
1: I used to live in Temecula and I've been through old town recently and I did not see it but there were like 9,000 Harleys going down the street so I was making sure to not (laughs) run them over and not looking at the steakhouses but I'm open to it we may take the ladies there as well
0: yeah, there you go. Uh, let's do it. Let's see. So we answered that one. Got a question here that I've addressed or mentioned in the in the past. Salmon, salmon butt. Ah, uh, let's see. Do you really believe the Fed will have the option to cut interest rates if we enter recession and inflation still persist? So that's the the question. There is that inflation is still persisting during a recession. So we've talked about it before josh has said it several times recessions by nature are deflationary um so the idea that a recession comes you know with it comes less inflation and inflation numbers start to come down so i don't know can if you can have a recession with things still getting more expensive right that is not called deflation that's called stagflation um right to some extent there um where where Things prices are are going down, but getting more expensive or I didn't say that correctly, but you get the idea. So I, I do think the Fed, the Fed. By nature, um, has a history of not necessarily following through um, on on certain things, but hopefully they do this time, but they are there to stimulate the economy. Um, And and one of the ways they do that is is by reducing that Fed funds rate, making the cost of money cheaper to borrow. And in recessionary times, that's typically what has been done in the past to help, you know, in those recessions. If you look back, you know, during recession recession periods, the, the, the Fed has adjusted the Fed funds rate. So I do believe they can and will do it, depending on what the recession looks like. Uh, but I don't know what that looks like if inflation numbers are still getting higher. Josh, uh, what are your thoughts on on that question?
1: So we've had stagflation once and exactly once in the history of the country. Does that mean that it will never happen again? No. And there there definitely are elements right now that, that could tell you that it's a possibility. I don't necessarily expect it. I, I expect the inflation is going to be with us a little longer than most hope or think i do think we're somewhere near a peak but it could drag on at these elevated levels i mean let's say it would be a good thing if inflation peaked and it never got above eight and a half percent but it wouldn't be a good thing if it hung out here for 12 months or so so i don't think it's going to the question just becomes how quickly it recedes and as you said, who knows what the Fed is going to do? I don't know that they have the nerve to follow through uh, with continued rate rate hikes to break the back of inflation. I don't know with the things that we're seeing um, that... Uh, that it would be all that effective. So, you you know, the tools that they have at their disposal are not as effective um, as what most people would think. It would be nice to think that the Federal Reserve is both all-knowing and all-powerful and with a couple strokes of the pen can fix this. Um, I don't think they can, but um, very good question and, and no definite answer.
0: Yeah, and I think another thing to 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 remember here, um, well, Jay Powell just got his additional four years. So, um, but there's a lot of outside influence, whether or not you want to think about it like that or not, that that they are feeling when deciding whether or not to do certain things. Um Big business. I mean, there's a lot that goes in. I mean, and and you can say they don't, and they can say they don't take that into consideration. They're only looking at employment and and inflation. Garbage. There's no way they don't take you know these ancillary factors into consideration when thinking about what they want to do. So, you know, as the stock market continues to to get hammered, um, which it typically does in in times like this, there's going to be more and more pressure for them to, to probably do less. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's a crap shoot. So anyway, let's get back to some questions. Uh, if I have cash to buy Josh, should I wait to buy a house in Vegas? 420,000. So what did, okay. So I, here, here's the thing. I'm going to, I'm going to throw that back to me for a sec. So I recently watched, uh, an episode of coffee with Graham, um, Stefan, Graham and Jack. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, with the YouTube channel, but it's Graham Stephan, one of his five channels or whatever he's got going. Um, with Ryan Pineda, so Ryan is a, a, a real estate investor, big you know, big real, real estate agent here in in California. He does a hundred flips a year, um, a lot of them in Vegas. And based on what he said, I, there's so much demand in that Vegas market. I mean, what they're doing with buying property and fl- flipping them. I feel like the demand is still there in the market because prices are still, again, in that, quote, unquote, affordable level for more people. Those markets continue to kind of move. Um, I, I don't think either of us know Vegas well enough, but just listening to that that entire episode uh, made me think, hey, Vegas is still a very, very strong market. So, you know, if, if you're thinking waiting because you think you're going to be able to buy more home for less later on maybe at some point prices pull back but it doesn't sound like that's going to be in the near future Josh what are your thoughts
1: um there's another part of the question again there's there's we would need clarifications if I have cash to buy does that mean enough down payment to do it or to buy cash
0: I'm thinking um, to buy cash I don't, that's the way I read it
1: I don't like yeah. buying, I don't like buying cash. Uh, uh, a wise advisor, financial advisor, and he's actually still alive and still around, says you really, uh, and, and you're, you're looking, you're following there two ways. You either only want a property fully paid off, which would be if you pay cash or fully leveraged. Um, that way it's the bank's money on the line if something were to happen and correct in, in a market like Vegas that does have a somewhat volatile economy. Um, so in this case, uh, following his advice a gentleman named Douglas Andrew. He wrote a couple books called misfortune and misfortune 101. Um, but in that instance, paying cash for it, maybe that does make sense. You have zero risk of losing the property if it's all paid for, but if it's all paid for, and you see some sort of correction, um, you don't have any bank money on the line. It's just uh, your money. So, um, everything Jeb said about the Vegas market, uh, it's still affordable. We still have lots of Californians. Um, I had another chart here. I wish. I, I had it available to me. It was on a, a call I was on this morning and it showed for Gen Z where they were not buying and where they were buying. And Nevada and Arizona obviously were two of the big areas where they were buying and affordable presses like 420000 are reasons why. So um, yeah, that's my answer. All right. Good stuff. Um, let's see here.
0: I said, um. Let's see. So we got a couple here. I'm gonna go back up. Um Nikki Sav. Can you explain non QM? This 10% down, 50% with a lender, and 40% seller second. Who gets the tax write off? 40, 10, 50. I don't know. Heard someone talking about it and wanted to ask you gents. So
1: So it's a simple one. Yeah. So there's only one borrower. The tax write-off belongs to the borrower. It doesn't matter who you're borrowing from. So 50% from the non-QM lender, 40% from the seller. You're paying interest to both of them. Mm -hmm. That interest is deductible to Ah, the owner of the property. And to the flip side, both the recipients of the interest are going to have that as taxable income, so including the seller. So cool, they loaned you 40% of your sale price from the equity of their home, uh, but they're going to pay interest on that as taxable income, uh pay taxes on that as as income just like they would if they rented the property and were receiving income. It's income, it's going to get taxed.
0: Good stuff. All right. Um let's see here. So Raid, uh Ride, Ride. Sorry dude. Um who are the buyers you are talking about is it more business Airbnb's or simply regular folks buying first home so the majority of my buyers are buyers that are buying you know they're either buying their first home or move up buyers um occasionally get investors a couple times a year buy property and 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 lease them out or what have you I don't have anybody buying for Airbnb here locally just because the the laws where I'm located for Airbnb um are very difficult to to meet uh, that is in the works to get changed. I've I've talked to somebody recently that has, uh, some some really inside with the city, and there's a really good chance that does change. So we're going to see here locally how that changes, and if it does change, you're going to have more people doing it. Um, but it's not, you know, this isn't Black Rock, this isn't any of those. This is people, uh, you know, just buying their house. Uh, but going back to that Vegas question, if you watch that that episode with Ryan and Graham that I talked about, one of the things he said in in Vegas, is a, one of the biggest buyers in that market is is these big corporations buying up property for rentals. So um, that's some of your competition out there, people.
1: Yeah, a lot of it, it depends on market. So again, Jeb and I are here in Southern California. I lend throughout the state. Um, don't really see any of, of the big buyers just because prices, prices uh, are right. high relative to the rents. So you can get better yields on your money um, elsewhere. Also, California, uh, very um, litigious isn't the right word in in this sense, um, but uh, cities, very government, heavy-handed government. So I have a place in Rancho Mirage. We used to rent on VRBO after 10 years with no problems, and um, it came out in the lawsuit. Very few problems for the city. They've outlawed short-term rentals, so you can only rent 30 days or longer. I think it's 28 days or, or longer. Um, so no transient occupancy. And that's common um, in lots of places throughout California. So long way of saying I don't have a lot of buyers that are airbnb but I will tell you um, one of those people that we were talking about in Virginia, uh, another one in Minnesota, does a lot of business for people or with people uh, buying properties for Airbnb, doing non QM type loans. Um, so uh, again, I'm with Jeb the vast majority of my clients are buying properties for themselves. We do have, I don't know, I'd say probably less than 10% if I went back and looked at the numbers are investors over the last couple of years, we did a lot of refinances for investors, but purchases for investment, uh, purposes are less than 5% of our business.
0: There you go. So I know some of you keep asking where you get connected to a lender, where you get connected to a real estate agent. If you click on that link, you can't click on it. If you go to that link, uh, fill out the little form there. Uh, you'll be connected. Somebody will reach out to you to get the process started. Again, all these people are vetted. They're experts. They know what they're talking about. Josh and I are putting our names to those people. Um, that's That's how important it is. So uh, hopefully that's helpful for you. So JC Cowboys Network So um, says, Jeb, I remember when you said the interest rates wouldn't get to 5% and we shouldn't panic. So yeah, I did say that, and I'm not panicking. Are you panicking? Should, should, if you're you, have, panicking, should, should
1: you have panicked?
0: If you're panicking, you're buying for the wrong reasons. No, there's no panic at the moment. Um, so I don't know. I think you should be more worried about the Cowboys football team than you should be interest rates. That's just me saying I mean, You just started a a war.
1: You're going to get a flame war over there, and you're going to deserve it. Dude, I'm a uh, Panthers fan.
0: I can talk crap about any football team because we have the worst. It's like when you got the bottom, you can talk about any of them because if somebody insults yours, it's like, hey, okay, like who
1: cares? you know? So, Jeb, I want to throw a question up here because there's something that just strikes me as interesting. So, Jasmine, uh, a regular viewer, she's here regularly, says, uh, I'm in the Maryland Metro, had a client close on a 570,000-town home. Uh, with five, at 5%. at five That's almost $3,900 a month. The rates need to come down. How can middle class afford housing in the near future? But you just said you had a client close at that. I agree with you. I talk to people every day who can't afford any longer what they would like or where they currently rent and live, but there's a lot of buyers that that do it. So Um, Until we no longer have buyers, uh, prices uh, aren't going to come down and the interest rates are are going to correct themselves. It could be a year or two down the line, but they're going to to moderate. I don't believe that 5% is the new normal or five and a half percent is the new normal. And we could do 30 minute presentation on that of of why I, I don't find that to be the case. Um, And we'll see what what happens going forward. I could be wrong, but there's some very strongly reasoned evidence that says interest rates will continue the downtrend that we've seen for the last 40 years. Um, It just comes back to uh, it would be nice for payments to be lower, like in a perfect world. over the last three years, what I would have liked to seen is not all of the stimulus come into the market um, with super low interest rates. We would have had less purchases, less buyers, less home price appreciation, and homes will be more affordable today, um, but we just, we moved forward a bunch of the demand and a bunch of the buyers and we have winners and losers. The winners were the ones that got in early and experienced the appreciation. The losers were the ones that weren't quite ready to step in and are now looking at higher prices and higher interest rates. Well said.
0: All right. Um, qu- Melissa has a, not, not a same question, but a question that could help, uh, you know, I don't know, not it can't help at all. In fact, I just made up an entire lie with with what I just said. It was the same interest rate. So if that client wants to know when they should refinance is where I was going with this thing, this question is going to help them. Uh, So just bought a house first time, closed at 5% If rates go down in the future. At what point do you try to refinance? Do you just watch the rates like a hawk and do your best to time it? So Josh, what is your theory on the $125,000 rule um, you know what you need to save in order for it be to to consider refinancing.
1: Take your loan amount. Take one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. Divide it by your loan amount, and that will tell you what you need to save to make it worthwhile to do a, a no cost refinance. Um, if the lender that you just closed with is smart, they're keeping track of that for you and will let you know as soon as the the opportunity arises to to do that.
0: All right, good stuff. Um, but but in the case of a five, oh, they we, they didn't give us their loan amount in that yeah, one. Yeah, so we, we can't did, actually we tell the them. Amount. Got it. Okay. Um, Jennifer Lego. Jennifer is uh, not forgotten. Jennifer, I I merely went over your name and didn't come back. And I meant to mention earlier. Thank you for being here, for moderating the chat, for keeping things on lockdown in there, booting somebody early on, setting the precedent not to mess around. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, But she gave you $5 super chat for doggy treats, Josh, which I'm not going to give you. So I thank you for that. That was
1: already pointed out that you were just going to take it and buy more Celsius with it. So (laughs) that's fantastic. That's such a good idea. Can you buy Celsius for $5? I don't
0: even know. I don't even buy it. My wife buys it. I steal them from her. It's great. You know, it's kind of like I'm being sponsored because I don't, I don't actually buy it. Well, I do, but I don't, you know, you get where I'm going with this whole thing, right? I kind of, I'm sponsored. I'm sponsored by it. Thank you for sponsoring me, Celsius. All right. Uh, let's see. I've gone on a tangent here long enough. Um, this question I saw earlier, thoughts on buying a house cash by drawing on a line of credit. So Josh, somebody has a house and they have a line of credit on it, a home equity line, some way to take equity out of that property. Um, and use it, do you suggest doing that to buy another house?
1: I don't see any reason n- not to, and I believe there was a follow-up question and then to refinance it and put permanent financing um, on it with a traditional mortgage. It can be a method, it's just it's a way of accessing cash. You can write a check with that line of credit. So if it's large enough relative to the home that you're buying, so if that gives you a leg up in the market of, of purchasing and acquiring it, You can then do delayed financing and put a loan on the new property. You'll pay a slightly higher interest rate for it, but it's generally more than offset by your ability to get a property under contract in a still very competitive market.
0: Good stuff. Uh, I'm going to get to this one, and then we're going to get to a really juicy question at the end there, Josh, the bottom of that list. Uh, George Jorge says, I just got my broker's license in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Uh, I'm not sure if I should quit my job and start with a company or if I should start by myself while keeping my day job. What should I do? That's the risk of being self-employed. Um, definitely don't consider it unless you've got, you know, some reserves in the bank. You've got the time to, you know, the the. I think the average agent, like 83% of realtors quit within the first two years or three years, something like that. So don't be the statistic. Um, So you got to go in knowing it's going to probably be a little bit more difficult than you think it is. Uh, And I'm not setting the precedent here that that's going to be the case, but that's the way you've got to think about it and go in with, you know, listen, I'm willing to do what it takes to be successful. And if you've got that mindset, you're going to be fine. Uh, But if you're looking for, you know, everybody that you know to use you and list you and you not have to do anything, everybody's just going to come running to George uh, to list their property. Not going to happen, and that's the thing is everybody sees the successful side of real estate, but they don't see the time, the commitment, everything that goes into building those relationships, maintaining those relationships, continuing to beat on the pavement, picking up your phone, you know, while you're watching your kids' soccer game on Saturday or doing, you know, whatever it is. That is the mindset that you got to have. Now, Puerto Rico, I'm not familiar with enough to be able to tell you what the market's like there, uh, but. I do know that, you know, it's real estate, so it's a good business. Uh, you just need to be able to make sure you, you got the, th- the measures in place to to withstand
1: some change in markets. Jeb, I was at a conference last year where a, a friend of mine did a presentation. He actually lives in, uh, in Puerto Rico. He's a mortgage broker Puerto Rico. and actually shared some just stunning information about the way the market works there. Um, many properties are sold on Craigslist, so being a broker... Um, I don't know that what they do there is really all that similar to what you do here. Different challenges. Um, I think you're right that it's not easy anywhere, um, but it's definitely it's a different market there, very different than the way it works in the fifty continental United States or forty-eight continental United States and two outlying territories. All right, there you go. So easy money, easy money coming in
0: with the digger. The, the yeah. question that I, I think we need to address because. Been saying for quite some time that interest rates have been below that 40-year trend. Um, therefore, the, the trend still in place, hasn't broken out. So Josh, has it broken out? Um, and thoughts going above it? What, what are well, the experts out there saying?
1: We're fortunate that Easy Money pointed this out or we wouldn't uh, wouldn't have known that the trend had been broken. And actually, I wanted to share a different window. So let's get here. Do you have one with a line already drawn on it? Yes, sir. Have the right one. So this is the down the, the trend line that we've seen, and for literally for thirty five years, we never got close to it. Back in twenty eighteen, we touched it, uh, went back below it, and we have have in fact, as Easy Money pointed out for us, pierced this forty year trend line. Do you believe this is a forty year trend reversal? Um, Or do you believe we had massive government stimulus that put too much excess money into the market that created a spike in demand at a time when we had pandemic related shutdowns and supply chain issues causing prices to go up? can you can argue it either way we could be wrong i'm telling you we come back in two to three years i would bet money that we're going to be back below that trend line and we will see this uh, as an aberration we are absolutely above that trend line right now with some very clear and obvious reasons um, as to why that line was breached the underlying fundamentals that caused those rates to go down here for 40 years are still in existence. You know we have some things that have reversed and have changed. Um, you know, deglobalization, um, things that had led to much cheaper labor, cheaper products. Um, those could impact um, uh, where we're at in the future. But um, long term, do I see some sort of return to normalization of, of rates being at five, six, seven percent? No, that was an aberration of, of the 1960s. So if we go back here, um, in time back into the thirties, forties, fifties rates in the four, four and a half percent range were the norm. So, you know, there, there's not a, a right or wrong answer here. We're all putting our, our faith in, in different um, experts and, and data. Get and your thing it, off
0: the screen there on the right, Josh, cause you can't see the right side of the chart.
1: I gotcha. There you go. Um, so uh, time will tell. I, I do believe that interest rates will continue to go lower. Um, you are correct to point out that we have temporarily breached that 40-year uh, downtrend line. Um, I think what you're going to find in the next year or two, uh, inflation will be under control, and we will be back uh, under under that trend line.
0: Well, one thing I want to note, too, is is whether or not we break back below the trend line or not, one thing does need to happen, and that's a test of that trend line to see if it holds. Um, if, if you look at market, you know, um, uh, any sort of trading, uh, technical analysis is the word I was looking for. If you look at any sort of technical analysis, when you have a breakout, like you've seen here, the, the next step is, is that retesting. So that, that drop back down to that rate and does that line hold as some point of resistance that rates bounce off of to go back up, or do we breach back below that trend line, at which point you test on the upside is as a level, uh, I'm sorry, as a level of support is what I meant to say a minute ago on the upside. And then if it breaks down down below, does it, does it hold as resistance going back up again? So a couple more things need to happen to know whether or not it's actually holding or not holding. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see uh, how it plays out. With that said, um but thank you that's that's a good chart good chart to have and um some good things to to note there so cts2mv which you never told us what the, the no CTS he did 2 MV. he confirmed oh, did he that's, his, it that's a car? his vehicle yes oh, there you go josh you're like an expert you should work for the dmv I, and, and well, be able to pick out the license plates
1: what was what yeah. was the game show back then? Was it was a bumper stumpers or something I, I watched too much of that as a oh challenge. i've never even heard of that show uh, but anyway, says
0: five dollars for some caffeine. Thanks for the advice. Appreciate you being here. Um, let's uh, let's move on. But thanks again for the uh, the super chat. I appreciate it. So Josh got a couple more here. Uh, let's see. John Tally. John Tally says, "How will the Southern California housing market be affected by a correction recession, if at all, if any at all?" Um, I think like any market, right? If you, I don't. The recession is hard to figure out uh, because you know we're at record low. I mean, we're at record employment, uh, unemployment numbers. Um, so anybody out there that ha- that wants a job has one, um, and and some people might have more than one uh, in some cases. So you know, a recession typically brings some layoffs, some unemployment. So I I don't know. I I don't know what a recession looks like. I mean, Orange County. Uh, you know, when you say Southern California, Southern California is a big, a big area, right? I mean, you, you go from Ventura South, that's considered essentially Southern California. Um, So I think areas that are um, coastal are probably less affected um, in these environments just because there's so much money there to begin with Uh, so much there's job creation. There's uh, just a wealth of people uh in general so I, I think less affected but it, it if all markets you know uh what's the saying that uh, uh that, that Buffett says you know when the tide goes out you see who's standing you know who who's who's bathing naked or whatever um, in those markets like when when the tide lowers, it's going to lower in some markets less than it is others right we've talked about this before the areas that are affected more are the areas that are further from the coast right the, the last markets to, to appreciate those that are I'm not picking on anybody out there but the Barstows the the areas like that are going to be more affected than the coastal areas just because there's less job creation, less job growth, less you know uh, business to absorb uh, you know potential layoffs and that sort of thing. So I think overall, it probably holds up fairly well. Now, if you see something major happen, it's going to get affected as well, depending on the market that you're in, but maybe just less. So Josh, I know we've talked about this. Anything you want to add on that?
1: No, it's the the only thing to add is why, why do the further out areas do do worse uh, in a correction is that as prices come down, when you have a correcting market, homes further in get more affordable just like as home prices are going up people are willing to go further and further out to buy the home that they're able to afford as they come down they find that they can come further and further back in and still afford uh, the homes so in addition to all the reasons that jeb said jobs proximity to to other amenities that type of stuff but um it, it's it's interesting. Someone that the chart that I was referencing earlier that was showing that millennials don't like or yeah, millennials don't like California, uh Washington, there were a couple of other states that they were moving away from and basically they're they're high priced states i don't think it's a matter of that that people are young people are fleeing california because they don't like the politics they don't understand the taxes yet they haven't paid a ton of the taxes they're just moving to more affordable areas quality of life
0: the millennial generation is about quality of life that's i mean from my reading and my understanding right they want a job that makes them happy they want to be rewarded they want to be you know it's And again, you're millennial. I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying that is what that generation is known for. It's less about the daily grind. It's more about finding what you love to do, living the the life that you were supposed to live, whatever that means. And so paying high prices doesn't necessarily support that, right? Uh, But anyway, if you're watching and you haven't done so already, there's a couple things going on on that I put on the screen. One, ask you to hit the like and subscribe subscribe button. I don't know. Can I do that? Um, 132 likes at the moment. There's 278 people watching been 250 plus the entire show for the most part. Um, I'm asking that you do that. It's a favor to Josh and I helps more people see it on the left side of the screen. Uh, the educated Homebuyer podcast. If you listen to podcasts, I would encourage you to listen on there. Josh and I talk more in depth about certain topics uh you know v- versus here answering a bunch of questions there we take a question if you will and dive deep on that question to help you understand what it means and help you become more educated as a home buyer so that will take you there the other two links have eh, you can follow me on instagram if you want to see pictures of my family tiktok i don't do anything on there so you probably shouldn't follow me there uh but josh he's not even on social media He's got a tag. I don't know what he does with it. I think he just, he's like a stalker. Like he's the stalker type. So he has it. I follow my wife's, looks, my
1: wife's pictures of my dog. My dog I, goes on there a lot. And we, we look at the pictures. He of her. just stalks all, other people. All I do he doesn't post anything. He's that person. He's my wife. So, uh, um, anyway. Jeb. We had someone um, uh, kindly point out that he was talking about the 10 year bond, not the 30 year mortgage rate, but close. But I wanted to just share something here real quick so we can all understand why that's a distinction without a difference here. This is the 10 year treasury. If that looks similar to you to the mortgage chart, it's because it is. They, they move um, not in lockstep, But something to understand with the 10-year treasury and and mortgage rates, it's like a dog uh, on a leash. It can only get so far away from its owner. The 10-year is the owner. Mortgage-backed securities are the leash. If you see this is the chart of the mortgages and the breach of that 40-year is much more significant than what you see on the 10-year treasury here. And the reason for that is, as we talked about earlier in the show, is... Mortgage backed securities are at a much larger premium to the t- 10 year than what they have been historically because of some additional risk. So, again, it's an aberration, but like, I, I don't know, uh, it, it's fun when we have people throw comments like this up here as though we don't actually know the data or have these charts or look at them every day. This is my job, this is what I do. That doesn't guarantee that I'm right, but we're never gonna bring you guys uh, an opinion that is not a researched opinion that, that has the information behind it. So for, for we're not we're not trying to mislead anyone. I don't have any dog in the fight other than that I'm a homeowner. I own four different rental properties. I, I want them to go up in value. I don't want them to continue going up in value at 10, 12, 15% um, where we're pricing people out of the market. What, what we're telling you is our actual, honest, researched opinion of what's likely to happen. It's not a guarantee that it, it, it's going to happen, but there's a reason for it. So fire away, ask any question you want, go for any gotcha. I've got the data, I've got the research. Again, it doesn't mean that I'm right, but we do have the data to tell you why we believe what we believe. There you
0: go. Um, question here from Zachary saying, "What are my thoughts on REO, REOs in San Diego market?" So REOs are real estate owned. Um, that's what the acronym is, or the abbreviation. And and it's essentially a foreclosure. So my thoughts on that is, there's no thoughts. There are no foreclosures. Um, there are, but there's nothing to talk about. Um, you know, if you see a foreclosure come to market, it's probably selling at market value. And if it's not selling at market value, that means it's a super distressed property, which means it's going to sell to an investor who's going to pay cash. And you better have cash if you want to compete. Um, REOs are not going to be a thing anytime soon uh, for many reasons. Uh, In fact, I'm doing a video. I've recorded a video. It should go out. I don't know if it's going to go out Friday or Monday. Um, I I, am not decided yet. I've got two that, one talking about FHA, one talking about foreclosures. Maybe you guys comment and see which one you want me to post on Friday. But uh, I talk about it in detail why that's not going to happen. So I'm a little bit ahead of you there on that one, Zachary. And hopefully that video helps you out. Uh, let's see. We've got Emilio. Emilio. I bought a house in 2011 for 200000 in Riverside. Should I sell and cash out? Why? Sell and do what? That question hasn't changed. We've been asking that same question for, hell, I, I don't know, a good good six, eight months now. Sell and do what? Sell and go sit on the sidelines? I don't know. What's the reason? Because you think you're going to buy a property for less money? Got to make that decision. Sell and buy another piece of property right now? Can you find that piece of property? Is it on the market? Are you okay paying a higher interest rate for that property? These are all things you got to sell. You bought it in 200, for $200,000 in, in 2011, good chance that property's five six hundred thousand now give or take um you know what does that look like capital gains do you have capital gains? are you married? did you make more than capital gains do you have to pay taxes on that all of these things should be something you consider um, if you're considering selling your property what are you gonna do with the cash? why are you doing what you're doing are you trying to pick a top or bottom in the market you know those are things you got to decide um and and at the end of the day I can't answer any of those for you regardless. I would say you got to make the best decision for you. Josh, how can one get approved for a loan for a $700,000 house? Let's just say any house. So I want to get approved for a house. I report some money, but I actually make more money than being reported on my taxes. Is
1: there a way to use it? Is there not? Thoughts? you can get a loan, Uh, it's gonna require a bigger down payment because there's more risk to the lender and it's gonna be a non-QM loan where they're using an alternative uh, form of income documentation, bank statements. Um, Some lenders will will use a P&L and how good a rate you get depends on how much you can document. I have a friend, it isn't necessarily fair uh, the way this works, um, of the way they calculate, but say you're doing a bank statement loan, you're going to provide either 12 or 24 months. They're going to look at the average deposits, and then based off the type of business that you have, they're going to apply an expense factor. Um, his business ends up having a, a fairly large cost of goods sold, but the way the numbers work out, the deposits are so large that it looks like he makes $100,000 a month. He can get any type of loan that he wants in the bank statement realm. Um, I have other people that, you know, they make six or $7,000 of deposits a month. And the way the expense factor gets applied, it's not enough to to qualify. Um, But talk talk to a lender, talk to a broker who's going to have access to more non-QM lenders and know what types of of options are available for alternative income qualification, who can show you what the the premium to market interest rates is going to be. Um, Just to put it in context, I have a client right now 5.875. 5.875. Now he's going to have to pay a point, point and a half to get that, but that's not a terrible premium. I have another client that we're looking at and in his situation, what he's wanting to do, it's going to be 6.75%. So a, a much bigger premium. So it can vary a lot from lender to lender. and It can vary from situation to situation, but you're going to have to find a non-QM loan with uh, alternative income documentation.
0: Good, good stuff. So there was a, so Mansa, Mansa says, but Jeb, the layoffs have started already, though it's a soft, I don't know what the, though it's a soft question. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. The layoffs have started. So yeah, there are people laying people off. Um, and you even go down here. I mean, there was a comment towards the bottom. Um, massic says offer just got accepted because of the great resignation that allowed me to get a much higher paying job, which allows me to take to make basically numbers work even in this crazy market. So they got more money by going to an employer that was willing to pay them more because the end of the day, people don't want to work. And so there are employers out there looking for good work. Yeah. While there's layoffs, there are still a lot of opportunities out there at the moment to get a job. So if you do get laid off from a job, it's not like there are no jobs. That's it's important to know that, right? Every, every place is still hiring. And so If as we get deeper into a recession, maybe there's less of that, but it doesn't, you know, people get stuck with the mindset of, Hey, I'm laid off. Well, you know, woe is me, you know, pity party can't go. No, there's probably another job you can go get. So just because you lose a job, doesn't mean you can't go find something else. And it doesn't, maybe it's not the job, the ideal job that you had or whatever, but just understand just because people get laid off or whatever doesn't mean they don't start working again. Doesn't mean the world falls apart. The moment somebody gets laid off in some cases, maybe that happens, but majority of people pick themselves back up and go do something. So, you know, recessions are good things, people. It takes the steam off, right? It allows a little bit of breather, um, which we haven't seen in the housing market. And one of the reasons that I would really, really like to see some sideways movement in the market is that breather. Um, you know, you don't want to see something go up forever, right? I mean, a stock, uh, a house, anything, you don't want to see the, the cost continue to, to increase on something because the, the, the more that happens, the more unhealthy it gets. Um, but fortunately for housing or anybody that you have to have a house, whether you rent it, whether you own it, Whether, you know, you you bunk with your friends, your family, whatever, you've got to have roof over your head, um, which makes housing a little bit different in some of these scenarios, especially when there's a lack of it. So I don't know. It just I'm not worried about the resignation. I'm not worried about the recession, so to speak. I think you just got to prepare. Right. I mean, you're in inflationary times where people were where money people were given a lot of money in one form or fashion. People have made a lot of money because times have been good. Um, You've got to prepare for times of slower growth, times for maybe the money's not quite there. These are things that you start thinking about, right? That's why you're putting money away. You're making sensible decisions when buying homes. You're not stretching yourselves like we talk about, having those reserves so that as the steam is let off during a recession, you're in a good position. You feel comfortable. You can sleep at night. And as things start to pick back up, you're ready to go. Wow. Where did that go? (laughs) i have no idea josh how happy are the buyers having more choices and having a
1: little bit more buying power i don't i am certain that they are happy i know that that i am happy because uh, we're not having to write 50 pre-approval letters for every offer that they make over three months Um, it's still not as simple as hey write one offer and get it accepted Um, but we're seeing a larger percentage of offers accepted and buyers having to write less offers to get a home uh, under contract. So definitely moderating, definitely getting back to a more normal market. um, And and that's good. So I would say buyers are are just as excited as we are. I don't think they like spending every Saturday uh, out in cars, looking at homes and getting into uh, bidding wars and having to give up uh, all of their contractual rights to, to get a property under contract.
0: All right. Um, what is your thoughts on people with interest rates higher than, say, uh, 2.85 will sell their properties for a higher interest rate? So um, w- what are your thoughts on on people that have low interest rates at the moment and are looking at the market with super high interest rates? Do those people consider buying or do they say put? Like, w- where does your mind go initially when I ask that question?
1: I think you would have to be pretty motivated to move in, in the current market and or you think rates are going even higher. If you look over here in the comments section, we have a, a small minority of folks who think that rates are going to seven, 8%. If you want and need to move and rates are at five, five and a half, and you think they're going to seven and a half, now may be a great time to move. Most folks um, have a, a fresh memory of rates being much lower. So, the relative difference doesn't look positive to them. And uh, a lot of people are putting plans on hold for the time being.
0: All right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think you make the move at the moment unless you have to um, or really want to. um, You know, I'm in a position, again, we've talked about this, right? I like looking for a bigger property. Do I want to pay a five and a half percent interest rate? No, I don't. I'd really like to pay three percent again. But for me, there's an opportunity to, to rent out my current property, right and receive positive cash flow on that property that helps me offset the mortgage on the new property. So I've got that going for me. Um, I've also got expenses that I could cut that aren't necessary in my budget um, that are nice to have but not need to have in order to help me make that adjustment to where where my monthly doesn't really change on a on a monthly basis and I, I still have the opportunity to buy that house. So those are things I think about in this environment. Um, in buying that house, it's like, yeah, we we need it. It's nice to have. I don't have to have it. It really has to be the right one. Um, so, again, I think it's it's to each his own. You, you know, there there are definitely still people out there that are that are considering buying. And I think it depends on when you entered the process, right? If you just entered the home buying process over the last couple of weeks, these are the rates that you know you know 5%, you know 5.5%. You don't know what a 3% interest rate looks like because you weren't buying a house then. You're buying a house now. So these are the rates that are relative to your circumstances at the moment. So that's how people think. They don't think, oh man, you know, God, if I would have just bought three years ago, they were like, no, I wasn't in a position to buy three years ago. This is what the rate is. This is what I'm doing. And then you also have the people that had 18% interest rates, 12% interest rates. And they look at today's rates and go, this is cheap money like you guys are crying over something that is historically very cheap i and i know that because i see it all over facebook posts and everything else where people are saying exactly that so you've got this you know two dichotomies if you will of of people that either think rates are are super high or they're just normal for for what they are um and i think both can be right in the same circumstance and you've got to be able to make that decision for you but at the end of the day by man has not stopped. Um, it slowed, but it has not stopped. You know somebody we haven't given credit to tonight is good old Willing. Willing is here chatting. He, he left. Um, he left. Nope, he's back. He said good night. He left. Uh, I bet he's still here. Watch this. He was waiting to see if we acknowledged it. She, he, not even sure. They uh,
1: but, use, the pro- use the proper pronouns. Oh,
0: they. That's good oh willing you need to put your pronouns beside your name so we know
1: will <laughs> willing seven d the, they they them <laughs> so good sorry. I, I i will keep you wondering i'm not oh, telling that's, you any it. that's still so has the
0: christmas tree up oh absolutely it's christmas you're around there it's always a party all right so we're at 151 oh uh, Josh, you see any good questions here? got a
1: good one here and a wonderful profile picture with a wonderful sombrero. I would be, uh, I am envious of the sombrero there. It's a Viva Mexico sombrero. So uh, you'll like this Jeb, I, I was in Mexico two weeks ago when I was unable to join you here on the call and we were actually in Mexico for Cinco de Mayo and a member of our traveling party was so excited that we were gonna be in Mexico for Mexican Independence Day and would not for the life of her accept and acknowledge that Cinco de Mayo is not, in fact, Mexican Independence Day, despite the fact that she was holding a little Google machine in her hand. And I invited her to Google it, and it took an hour for her to finally pick up the phone and learn that Cinco de Mayo is not, in fact, Mexican Independence Day or even a big deal in Mexico.
0: Well, you know, you, she had you. She was so lucky, Josh. Yes. To be able yes. to just crush her dreams. All she wanted to do was drink
1: and just oh, enjoy, to enjoy the no independence. One, no one limited you the drinking. Crushed her. No one limited the drinking. There was just no celebration of independence. So what options are available to help pay closing cost fees? I don't qualify for down payment assistance because of my income and I don't want to pull out from my 401k. So we covered the 401k earlier in the show. I don't think borrowing from it is a terrible idea. Definitely don't want to cash it out. Um, maybe the market has softened enough that if you found the right property, you could get a seller concession to cover closing costs. The other option is a lender credit. Um, And the way lender credits work is lenders want a specific yield on any given day, and that is their par interest rate. You don't pay any points to get it, and they don't give you any lender credit. If you want a lower rate, you pay points, and they take the points plus the lower interest rate and they make their profit over the long haul. If you're willing to pay a higher interest rate, they will give you points in the form of a lender credit that you can use to to pay your closing costs. So if you're here in California, closing costs on a zero point loan is gonna be somewhere in the 2% range. Um, So that's about a half percent higher interest rate. So it can be a good option as long as you believe uh, that there's gonna be an opportunity in the future to refinance to a lower interest rate.
0: All right. Um, Let's see here. Mr. Abs asked me to go up and uh, take on this question. So it's been the Mr. Abs show tonight. Uh, Let's see here. What are your takes on down payment grants that are second liens on a property? Can you elaborate on that more? Zero percent interest with no repayments forgiven 20% each year after five years then removed? So Josh, thoughts on just yeah. some. I mean, it's basically down payment assistance in, in some form.
1: So what are, your, what are your thoughts on those? So uh, I can answer it how we answer it here in California. The primary or almost only down payment assistance program in California is the California Housing and Finance Authority. Their two main programs are not forgivable. They just came out with a new one that if you make 80% or less of the area median income, they now have a, a, a new second the mortgage that is, is... going to work yeah that's not going to work because the income limits are too low but it is forgivable so what i tell people is i think you're better off if you can scrape up the down payment and get a lender credit to cover your closing costs and we show our borrowers this in a side-by-side comparison um, that you're better off going that route than taking the down payment assistance now we have something different to calculate here for you in that if you did this in five years, that goes away. So if it's a 5% assistance or a 10% assistance in five years, you've got that money for free. The down pay, downside to the down payment assistance we have here in California is if rates drop, um, you can be unable to refinance because about a two three years back they started refusing to subordinate those silent second and third liens to a new first Um, i don't know if that's an issue with the virginia program that you're talking about Um, but it it can be a good way to get into a property if you have no other way of doing it what my advice would be is when we get you connected with a, a good loan officer in virginia ask them about the program Ask them do a side-by-side comparison for you so you can see the pros and cons of it. For the most part, they're not free money. So there is some downside and you just have to weigh it out and say, is is the free money in five years of forgiveness worth it to me?
0: Good stuff. Uh, We got one, uh, well, another question here. Rick says, do you think malls will get converted to low-income housing or possibly something else? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Some some markets, absolutely. Um, That'll happen. Uh, You know, malls... as a whole, I think are kind of a, uh, you know, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Um, are 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 no longer um, needed, if you will. Um, they're a thing of the past. That's what I was trying to think of. Uh, so yeah, some some of those will get converted. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into that. Different areas will handle it different ways, but it's an option for for some. Um, maybe turn into condos. Maybe it gets sold to developers, though. It's not always necessarily going to be um for low income or or for, you know, that sort of thing. It might go a different direction. Uh there was a comment here that I wanted to end on. Um let me find it. Let's see. Josh, I'm not even going to try to go with the name here, but it says, "Hey, I love that you guys are bullish on the housing market. You guys have done a lot more for your community than the Reventure dude did or has or will." Um, we'll go with that. Um, he does point out that we are a bit too optimistic on interest rates, uh, but he expects that from bulls. So I think we're bullish on housing, um, but it's because- Owning we, housing. Huh? On owning housing. On owning housing. Yeah, for sure. But I, I I go back to that because <clears throat> I have conversations with the people that have owned homes for a very long time, right? And that doesn't, and, and have been in real estate for a very long time that are super successful um in you know that have owned real estate and it's created wealth for their families and whatever i mean if you look at home prices over a trend from as long as they've been keeping charts prices continue to go up that is a bullish stance that doesn't mean things can't change in the interim and adjust downwards here and there the trend is still up and that's why we're bullish we we realize the opportunities it creates for people you know, long-term and, um, and, and how that affects, you know, families and, and gives opportunities and all of that. And, uh, and, and that's why we're here again, to continue to educate you, guide you through that process and, um, and, and hopefully make sense of it for you. So reaching the end of the show, um, like to ask you guys really disappointed me tonight, 165 thumbs up. There's been 200 plus people watching. I'm going to cry myself to sleep my wife is gonna be really, really sad tonight. She is gonna hate it. Uh Josh is gonna hear it all day tomorrow. I'm just gonna just I'm just gonna let into him because we didn't get it. He's not gonna be invited back. You guys did it. I'm sorry, clearly, Josh. Clearly your, my
1: fault. Your tenure clearly here is
0: my fault is done. No, we appreciate you guys being here. Uh hit the thumbs up if you like us. If you don't like us, we don't care. Just hit the thumbs up. And help share it. Um, again, if you found any value at all, check out the podcast, go to the link that I'm going to put here on the bottom. You got a lot of homework, people. This is a lot to do. So you should start immediately so that you get it all done before bedtime. Josh parting words
1: uh no just uh, it's definitely it's interesting out there um we're watching reading analyzing going through as much data as possible and as much as you see jeb and i here answering questions we're firing questions at each other back and forth all day every day did you see this what do you think about this is is this a different angle so um i can assure you that um, we've been accused multiple times here of being permanent permeables i am currently a bull I am absolutely not a permable there have been times and I have written evidence that we can show you that we said um, that there is a big correction coming I just do not see it in the numbers Um, the good news is that time will tell so show up here we will continue to uh read look and analyze and present the numbers and any questions you guys want to fire out we will answer them we'll answer to the best of our ability with the best data rather than um, some people here on on the internet that just want to spout opinions without actual uh data to back it up and they don't actually sell real estate so they don't have boots (laughs) on the ground
0: i mean come on people that's the one advantage you have of me talking is i can actually Tell you what is happening in the market based on what people are making offers on, what I'm seeing with listings, all of that stuff. Now, granted, I'm in Southern California, so if you're in Southern California, you really get the benefit. But this is something that happens in a lot of major markets, so that's the stuff you pay attention to. Anyway, I won't go down that rabbit hole right now. I appreciate you guys being here been listening to you guys since the beginning. Awesome, Edgar. Thank you for that. Uh, But I'm going to say adios. We're going to sign off tonight. Thank you, guys. Until next time, adios.
1: Thanks for listening
0: to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube
1: and make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.